Three minutes past the hour here in our nation's capital, Linnell Willingham. Here with you on the fan until 4 o'clock on this beautiful Saturday afternoon in the district. As I mentioned, later on today, I'll be out at FedEx Field for the Commander's Open Practice. Uh, make sure you say hello if you see me. And you can adopt a puppy out there. We found that out. 4.30 to 6.30. Uh, you'll, you'll be able to adopt a puppy. 15,000 rescued and fans will have the opportunity to do that. Uh, we'll see if Logan wants to adopt any puppies when he's out there. That's who's joining me right now on the BetQL guest hotline. Bet smarter, beat the books. Download the BetQL app today. We had some trouble getting Logan on the phone. I wonder if he's in PetSmart right now looking for a cage for his new puppy he's going to adopt tonight. What's going on, Logan? <laughs> uh, not much, man. Yeah, we always love a good puppy. That's absolutely right in our house. <laughs> we also love talking good football. I haven't talked to you on the record since the pads have come on. I'll make it easy for you. What's been the biggest thing that you've noticed and taken away so far from this second week of Commander's Training Camp? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is uh, probably something that everyone else has noticed and talked about, and that's when the pads have come on. I think the offensive line has played a lot better. I think offensive line, tight ends, blocking backs, they've all done a nice job creating holes and kind of creating some good movement against that defensive front. I think it's kind of, you know, maybe illuminated some of the issues with, um, you know, kind of playing these lighter boxes, these lighter, lighter coverage contours, you know what I mean? Uh-oh, the phone monsters must have got Logan again. We'll put Logan on hold here. He was talking about the offensive line, and that's something interesting as well to me uh, that I've noticed because and we'll ask Logan this when, when we get his phone situation corrected. The depth that offensive tackle seemed to be a question, and I know – I know they're down Cornelius Lucas right now. He's on the non-football injury list. Uh, and I know offensive line coach John Matsko and Scott Turner are eager for his return uh, back to the lineup. We got Logan now. You there, Logan? Yeah, I'm here. Yeah. Gotcha. We were talking about the offensive line. And, and before, you, before you got disconnected, something I wanted to ask you about is the depth at tackle. And which one of the depth tackles have stood out to you, guys like a Montero or – or, or any of the other big sillies out there at the tackle spot. Obviously, Leno and Cosme have uh, held well for themselves on the first team. Tackle depth, in my opinion, though, a concern still. Yeah, tackle depth has been a concern for me, too. I think the guy that stood out to me is number 63. Do you know his name, uh, Leno? I don't have the roster here in front of me. I think that might be Montero. Is that not Montero? Yeah, he, he's, he's, he's new, and um, he's, done, he's done some good stuff, man. He's like, right now, he's, uh, he's got great arm length. He's been awesome in protection. Been very, very solid, a little bit light, you know, so some of the defensive players may be able to get after him with, like, regards to bull rushing and stuff. But I've been impressed with him, and in this short yardage goal line period um, the other day, he was the extra tackle, which this team likes to use quite a bit. And so I think that's a pretty good indication of how they feel about him and his role moving forward in the context of this team. I know they're eager to get Cornelius Lucas back. He's on the non-football injury list. Brian Baldinger, Logan, I don't know if you're familiar with his stuff, is a huge fan of Corn Lucas. I did a breakdown on him about a month and a half ago during that four-game winning streak. Cornelius Lucas, uh, very instrumental in that. I will switch things to the other side of the football and talk about depth on the other defensive, on the other line, excuse me, the defensive line. Opposite Montez Sweat, we've seen Casey Tuhill really get the majority of the work. What have you seen from him specifically, and do you have confidence in him as the week one starter? Yeah, so I think, I mean, if, if they had their way, it'd be James Smith-Williams, but obviously he's negotiating some type of quad or hip injury. I'm not exactly sure. The, the report was kind of vague. 
Um, and I think you feel a, a little bit better about him as your first and second down and opposite Montez Sweat, but obviously he's not healthy right now. So Casey Tuhill's getting the lion's share of those reps. And I think you feel pretty good about what Casey's put on tape so far. He's a guy that you can trust. He's going to be in the right position. He knows what to do defensively. He's got more explosive pop than people think. Uh, you know, he, I think he was like a four or five guy, you know, coming out of college. He's got a 37 inch vertical. So the explosive twitch metrics are there and they'll show up. It doesn't always show up in the pass rush. I think he does an excellent job in that category. Kind of more trick pony because he's going to try and beat you with speed. But again, he's shown up in the run game. I think he made a dynamic play in the goal line period, um, kind of not forcing the fumble on Antonio Gibson, but definitely catching the fumble off, catching the fumble off a kind of a bad handoff. And he makes plays like that almost every single day. He's great in pursuit, and I think you feel really good about what he's been doing. Great in coverage too, as a zone dropper when they installed their fire zones a couple of days ago. So a guy, again, like, you know, I think a guy you feel very confident with because he's, he's a professional. And what I mean by that, he, he knows what to do, he lines up correctly, and he executes at a high level. There's not, like, a physical drop-off necessarily. Is he a little bit light? Yeah, he's, like, 255, and I think that does play in certain situations. But, you know, like, from what I can tell, he's, he's much improved in how he's playing the run from, uh, from last year to this year. And I think that's, um, that bodes well for him getting a lot of minutes and you feeling comfortable about that, um, you know, opening week one. Another depth guy in that defensive line room that Ron Rivera mentioned actually by name during the press conference this week is William Bradley King. He's popped a little bit to me. Uh, one play specifically got his hands up on a ball and was able to swat the ball down. What have you seen from him, and do you think he's got an opportunity, when even when James Smith-Williams comes back, to push those two guys for more of a situational pass rusher role? Yeah, you know, it's interesting that Coach uh, mentioned William Bradley King because I've actually been – Slightly, just slightly more impressed with Shaka Tony. I think Shaka Tony, you know, is slight, not the biggest guy in the world, but does have a little bit of pass rush juice. And, um, you know, Bradley King, I think, has some ability. And I think the, the tough thing about evaluating him is he's going against the threes. And those three yeah. tackles, that three offensive line, is a little bit of a mismatch, a little bit of a hodgepodge. So it's hard to get a good read on exactly where he's at. Because when he goes up against better pass protectors, he's very, very quiet in practice. So, you know, in terms of determining, like, how much juice is uh, is in there and how much he's got, I think it's kind of challenging to tell. But, you know, I like both those guys. I think they have some ability just about whether they can actualize it against better talent. We'll flip things over to the offensive side of the ball here quickly, Logan. De'Ami Brown and Curtis Samuel have been in and out of the lineup, and it's allowed other guys on the depth chart to get an opportunity. Who do you think has flashed the most on the absence of those two guys? Yeah, that's a really good question. You know, I think Diami, to, to talk about Diami for one second, I think he did a really nice job, um, you know, when he was getting his opportunities. He was a guy that was very quiet through OTAs, very quiet in last year's training camp. And this year, all of a sudden, starting to make some big plays and starting to see some of that vertical speed and starting to make some big boy NFL kind of uh, catches and stuff. And so that was really encouraging. And I think if you're a fan of the team and you're a fan of kind of what they've been doing in the draft the past couple of years, a nice uh, step in his development. Obviously, like you said, he's been in and out of the lineup with an injury. Uh, and I think a guy that's really shown out nicely and a guy that has been very consistent, you know, in OTAs and in training camp is uh, Dax Bill. Mr. Still your girl. He just shows up. Every, uh, what's that? I said, Mr. Still your girl. Mr. Fashion over yeah, that's himself. Right. Mr. Still your girl, that's right. <laughs> and he uh, he just is a guy, like, he runs consistent routes. I think he's, you know, he's done, he's done a nice job in one-on-ones against Benjamin St. Juice, who's given everybody trouble. And he finds ways to get ways to get open in team, and he does catch balls. And it's you know it's from Taylor Heineke. It's not necessarily with the ones, but I think there's a guy who's kind of taken advantage of his opportunity and shown out in a nice way. And so he deserves a ton of credit. You know, I don't have the depth chart in front of me, but there's two younger players, um, number 19, number 83. 
They're uh, kind Mark of those. Kind of I think it's Mark and Mitchell and uh, Ezra. Yes, that's correct. Yeah, both those guys. They've actually flashed a little bit, which has been good. They, you can tell they've got some route running nuance to their game. What I mean, good on releases, good on stems. Uh, they have some vertical speed, which is nice to see uh, from that category of, of, uh, of the depth chart. Uh, they do, they're do. they not ultra-consistent catching the football, but they do make big plays. So I think if you're looking for guys in the preseason that could potentially splash, those are some guys to keep an eye on because they also both return kicks. Uh, we'll flip things back over to the defensive side of the ball, Logan. Everybody has been up in arms about the linebacker spot, specifically yesterday, uh, David Mayo taking some first-team reps away from former first-round pick Jamin Davis. Not as much of an indictment on Davis as some people think, in my opinion. I just think David Mayo's got it, and he really is a smart cat above the neck. What have you seen from David Mayo uh, for him to warrant taking some of these snaps away? Yeah, I think, I think if you're a fan of, uh, of the team, I think it's important to understand that David Mayo is, is a situational linebacker. He's a sit- like it's, it's with him and Jamie, it's like a 1-1-A scenario, and they feel much more comfortable, obviously, with uh, – with Mayo in run-first situations, so short yardage, goal line, um, are kind of where he's going to be in the starting lineup. And again, it's for some of the stuff you mentioned. You know, he's not the best athlete in the world, but in those situations, he triggers very quickly. He's decisive to the football. He's a physical tackler, and he knows how to take some blocks at a high level. And those things are things that are paramount in those situations and things that traditionally Jamin struggles with. And to be fair to Jamin, he's done an excellent job. He did an excellent job yesterday, or two days ago yesterday, in the short yardage goal line periods when he had coverage responsibilities. Like, he's fast, he's doing a nice job, he's seeing things much better. But why not play those players to their best skill sets? Mayo yeah. is that short yardage kind of thumper. Let's get in there, let's read, let's make uh, good, decisive decisions to the football. And Jamin is that tremendous athlete. I'm not saying he won't develop as a short yardage player, but right now Mayo is much better in that area, and Jamin's much better in coverage. So if you have both guys on the roster, why not use both skill sets? I think that's a testament to Mayo. And like you said, he's a very heady player. I think he reacts to stuff very quickly, like I said. So I think there's a lot to like about his game. And like he's going to be a, uh, not a huge part of this team, but he's definitely going to contribute in a positive way, I would say. Joining me right now on the BetQL guest hotline, Bet Smarter, Beat the Books. Download the BetQL app today. Is former Commanders tight end Logan Paulson. You can catch his podcast weekly with Craig Hoffman called Take Command. You can get that wherever you get your podcast. Logan Yesterday, they focused specifically, it seemed like, on running the football. What were you able to see from the running back? Something I took away was Antonio Gibson, standing at six foot two, is doing a much better job playing at about 5'11 when it comes to lowering his yeah. pad level. Something I talked to Coach Randy Jordan about. He said he's definitely been impressed with him in that aspect of his game. What have you seen? Yeah, I think that's something that's kind of been apparent since the pads have come on, so I'm really glad you brought that up and made that observation because it's something that, again, like you needed to see from him. I think he always kind of had this very upright running posture, but you can tell he's making an effort to kind of get behind his pads a little bit. It's interesting, like when I watched the when I watched the film post practice, I'm like, is that McKissick or is that Gibson? Right. I think it just speaks to how he's changed his demeanor when he's running. He's getting behind his pads, getting down. He's not standing in this really erect manner, and it's shown up. It's shown up in a nice way. And then, you know, that's Gibson, for example, and obviously McKissick's been super consistent. He had a huge run, like the first day of pads on on the counter play, so showing off his ability to run in between the tackles. And a guy that I think deserves a ton of credit, especially for the short yardage stuff, is Brian Robinson. And I think people say, you know, Brian Robinson's this big power back, and that's why he's going to be successful in those situations. But I think the thing about him that's outstanding is he's got phenomenal foot speed. He's got excellent vision, and he knows how to set up blocks at a really high level. And that shows up in those situations. 
And I think the other thing that's important to know with him, he is a bigger back, but he's shown good contact balance. And I know they're not tackling to the ground necessarily, but there was a couple times in the short yardage period yesterday where there's four or five guys hanging off of him. And oftentimes that ends up in someone falling over, but he's able to kind of maintain his feet, maintain his balance. And um, again, I think that that room right now is, is, I think, poised for something very special this year, assuming that Gibson can take care of the fumbling issue. I know he had one yesterday. It didn't really look like it was his fault. When I went back and watched the film, it looked like it was more of a handoff issue. They were yeah. kind of running the, a zone read on the goal line. But um, again, like if you can get that cleared up, this is going to be a very special group. Logan, I can't believe we've gotten almost 15 minutes into this conversation and I haven't mentioned Carson Wentz's name once. <laughs> I will break that trend right now. Second week of pads, what have you seen from the new QB1 in Washington? Yeah, I mean, I think I've seen a guy who um, has been a little inconsistent. I think, uh, you know, the first five days, I think the rush was getting to him. Uh, and that's credit to Jack Del Rio and the defense and what they were doing from a pressure standpoint. Also, credit to the back end. They've done a nice job of limiting throwing windows. But I think the guy's been a little inconsistent, a little errant with his throws. I thought yesterday was a little bit better in terms of consistency, in terms of underneath stuff. You know, he had some nice kind of like uh, short digs, uh, comebacks, or hitches, excuse me, to Terry, which, again, those are those are kind of gimme throws in the NFL, but his footwork was good, his timing was good, uh, the ball velocity was good. So I think, you know, while those are baby steps, I think those are steps in the right direction. And the thing that I'm kind of keeping an eye on moving forward is, you know, when is, when is this vertical passing game come to life? I mean, that was a big part of his signing and his acquisition. And he just, he's been a little, he's been a little off in those categories, right? Even with guys that he had great chemistry with during OTAs, like him and Jahan have been a little bit off. They've had big plays, of course, but nothing down the field in the same way that it was uh, during OTA. So, again, looking forward to seeing if that continues to develop, if, um, if uh, Scott can give him tools to kind of make that happen, you know, formationally, personnel-wise. Uh, but, yeah, a guy that I'm really anxious to watch to see how he continues to develop. But I think the past two days there have been signs of improvement. I think that's uh, that's encouraging because I think the first probably five or six days he was looking a little unsettled. Yeah, I- I've definitely noticed that too, specifically in the last two practices. It just seems like everything is cleaner, more crisp, and they're finding completions out there now. And as you mentioned in the first week, yeah. that, that was kind of a struggle for them uh, even to find completions. Um, Logan, offensively, on the offensive line specifically, Charles Leno Jr., I thought has just been as rock steady as anybody out there uh, on the football field. I don't know I don't know how the Chicago Bears cut him and why they decided to cut him. They've now got the replacement for him on the trading blocks, former second-round pick Tevin Jenkins. What have you seen from Charles Leno, and how, and how do you think his leadership has trickled down to the rest of the offensive line? Yeah, I mean, I got to play with Charles when I was in Chicago, and he's just a fantastic uh, human being. Obviously, that's you know obvious, like in terms of how like he, he's handled himself in the community with his charities and stuff. But he's also a fantastic guy in the locker room, very generous with his time and his knowledge, and you know, very approachable and charismatic. Even though he's been in the league for nine years, and some of those guys can be a little standoffish. So I think obviously having a guy like that in the room that's going to play really consistent football, maybe never be an elite left tackle again, but a very very solid left tackle. Um, I think is awesome for the young guys. And having a group of veterans kind of across the board, Leno, Norwell, Trey Turner when he gets healthy, yeah. um, Rulier is a veteran in his own right now, to kind of mentor Cosby, mentor Sadiq, mentor Chris Paul, mentor some of these younger guys, I think is fantastic. And I think, um, you know, I think the, the more football players you can have, like Charles Leno on the team, the better you are because it just leads to an awesome environment. And I think Ron deserves a ton of credit 
for uh, for making the decision to bring him in there because he's he's a good dude and he's a good teammate and he's a good leader. Yeah, I really like the way he's assimilated in this locker room and, and, and meshed with different position groups and guys from di- completely different walks of life than him. So definitely, like you mentioned, a good signing uh, by Ron Rivera and company. Logan, I'll let you go on this. You're a former tight end. The rookie tight end, Cole Turner, has really been the star thus far of training camp. Obviously, he got a little nicked up yesterday. Since they've put the pads on, though, Logan, what have you seen from him and the rest of this young tight end group? Man, I mean, I don't want to say that's been the most impressive group because the backs have done a great job. But man, they it's are a t- in, it's a tight uh, race. It, it's a it's a close it's a close race for sure. Um, you know, they, so first off, like like you said, Cole Turner's just been he's been I'd say maybe the second best offensive weapon in camp behind maybe Jahan Dotson, yeah. and that's again saying something because Jahan's been very good. And he's just been super consistent in the race. It all started with the red zone periods. Uh, last weekend, and it's kind of just progressed, and they've gotten more and more comfortable with kind of putting him in, in situations where he's going to get the football and he's going to make plays, and he's consistently made plays. He's displayed strong hands, great test radius, ability to separate not only the entire route tree, but on very specific route concepts, and uh, and just excels in those areas. And I think he's going to be a huge weapon in this offense, assuming he can fail. Hopefully, this is the second time he's aggravated this hamstring. You know, he did it in OTAs, and he's all spent it now. But a guy that I would have, if you're a fan of the team, obviously both eyes wide open on him and his development, how they're going to use him, uh, especially if Logan Thomas is not ready for week one. Curtis Hodgins, man, has been more than I expected in the run game. He's been very, very competitive using yes. his length, using his size. You know, he's 6'8", but he's kind of a slight build, so I wasn't expecting that from him. And then kind of con- connecting that with his movement skills, he's a guy that, again, may not be the same kind of explosive route runner that uh, Cole Turner is, but has good route running fundamentals to his game, right? In and out of breaks very smoothly. Nice releases off the line. Doesn't have that same vertical speed, but a guy, again, that could be a weapon in the passing game just isn't a blocker. And the guy that I think is the dark horse to be something very, very special in this group is Armani Rodgers, and he's starting to get some more burn over the last couple of days. Converted quarterback, you know, has a skill set that probably could play receiver in this offense if they needed him to, but that kind of speed, that kind of athleticism, good catch radius, and the thing I love about him yeah, I love about all these guys, really, is they're not afraid, afraid to block, not afraid to put, uh, put their face on people yes. and kind of impose their physical will. And so, again, those three guys, man, I, I can't remember ever being a part of a team or seeing a team that's had three young talents like that in the, in the room together, guys that could all be contributing on Sunday, just depending on how the cookies fall and who's healthy and who's not. But they're all, I, I'd imagine, they're all going to be a part of the team in some capacity. And, um, you know, obviously those are the three guys. Zane and Sam Reyes kind of had a nice day in the short yardage period, showed up a little bit catching the football, which is something he'd struggle with. So that's awesome for him. But I think the guys that are leaders at the position right now in terms of making the roster and contributing this year are those three young guys. And I think the fans should be very, very excited about that group. Yeah, Logan, they're going to have some tough decisions to make on roster cutdown day at that tight end spot because, like you mentioned, hungry young guys that just flat out want to compete, in my opinion, man. Appreciate you joining me. Are you going to be out at FedEx tonight for the practice? I will be there, man, so I'll have to say what's up to you. Definitely will do. Definitely will do. Appreciate you joining me, big fella. All right, man. Thanks enough. Appreciate it. Logan Paulson joining me on the BetQL guest hotline, former commander's tight end, and the new sideline reporter for NBC Sports Washington's coverage of Washington Commanders football. Make sure you check out the Take Command podcast with him and Craig Hoffman as well. They do a great job, I believe, This week's episode will feature the next member of the Washington Commanders coaching staff crossing our fingers, the heartbreak kid, Ryan Kerrigan. 
Uh, we'll join Logan and Craig. I believe they're set to drop that on Sunday or Monday. So be sure to download that wherever you get your podcast. Whew. Decompress here a little bit because that was a lot. Logan, Tom, I mean, excuse me, Logan Paulson giving us the latest ins and outs, X's and O's on the Washington Commanders through two weeks of training camp. The biggest thing that stood out to me, this tight end room, and we'll talk about that later on uh, in the show, they have really stood out to me, and Logan touched on it there towards the end. They have competed in the blocking game, and if you when you watch them walk out and run out to the field for warm-ups, it looks like a damn basketball team. Everybody's 6'5 and above, long arms, long frames, just, just wiry guys. And the thing that's impressed me most, like Logan said, since the pads have come on, they have all shown a willingness to compete in the running game. And in today's NFL, if you've got guys that are able to do both run really well, I mean, excuse me, block really well at the tight end position, and then as these guys all have the ability to go out and run routes, you're going to create nightmares for for, def- for opposing defensive coordinators because you don't know when you go a three tight end set and it's Logan Paulson, John Bates, and Cole Turner, you don't know whether they're going to be able to run the football or, or they're passing the football. So I think they're going to be putting uh, defensive coordinators in conflict a lot this year. Really impressed by that group as a whole. Obviously, uh, the doom and gloom news of yesterday, uh, rookie tight end Cole Turner nicked himself up early uh, in practice. They're calling it a hamstring strain. Uh, so we'll see if he's able to practice today. I, I doubt it. Uh, hopefully, uh, they'll be able to get him back for Monday. And it's a game week coming up next week for the Commanders. The Carolina Panthers come into town next Saturday night. It'll be fun to watch that. But, yeah, this, uh, this, this Commanders tight end room has definitely been something to watch. And now that Cole Turner was on the shelf yesterday, you got to see a guy like Logan mentioned, Armani Rogers, the former converted uh, quarterback from from Ohio University. You've got to see Curtis Hodges show his stuff. So the attrition in the room, obviously not the best news in the world, but for this coaching staff, I'm sure it's giving them a better opportunity uh, to evaluate guys. Got to take a quick time out here on the other side of this break. We'll talk about the linebacker position and go a little deeper into that. Jamin Davis and David Mayo alternating snaps on the first team. We'll give you the latest on that situation. Don't go anywhere. This is the fan us in the last segment giving us the latest on the Washington Commanders. He's a film junkie. Watches every practice over back again in slow motion three times with his fingers crossed sitting crisscross applesauce while chewing on a licorice. Logan Paulson digesting film as good as, as, good as anybody in the business, man. We're definitely blessed to be able to have Logan hop on for his weekly appointment with us. Something he touched on, though, that we'll go into a little bit more detail here uh, right now, is the linebacker situation. And yesterday specifically, it caught a lot of people's eyes and really led someone to ask a question about it in uh, Ron Rivera's post-practice media availability. Logan kind of touched on it, and I agree. Right now, it's 1A and 1B at the second linebacker spot next to Cole Holcomb. David Mayo got the first crack at it yesterday for the first time it felt like. He was on the field for starting at the linebacker spot for two straight periods, two or three straight periods. So that was interesting. And look, David Mayo is a vet. He's been around the block before. In the NFL, this is going into his seventh season in the league. 
Uh, played for the Panthers, of course, <laughs> and the New York Giants, uh, his last team before he got here to Washington. But David Mayo does a lot of good stuff for you, and you see it on the field. He diagnoses stuff so quickly, and, and I can't harp on enough how important that is to be able to diagnose things and go, get there, boom, fast. For Jamin Davis, he's slow to recognize things in the running game specifically, but his athleticism allows him to thrive and shine in the passing game. So now you're, you're at a crossroads here if you're Ron Rivera and company. Do you prefer the smarts of David Mayo, knowing everybody's going to be lined up properly, knowing he's going to be in his gap when he's supposed to be? Or do you go and bet on the potential and athleticism of Jamin Davis? I, I said yesterday jokingly, but I, I meant it, <laughs> and I know the coaches probably wish this as well. Wouldn't you love if you could just make a Mayo-David linebacker sandwich and just combine those two into being one great linebacker? Because if you were to put those two together, right, the athleticism of Jamin Davis with the football smarts and football acumen of David Mayo, you'd have a pro bowler. You would have a pro bowler. David Mayo thumps, man. There was a play, I believe it was the second play of the 11-on-11 stuff yesterday. He met Antonio Gibson in the hole. It sounded like a damn plane crashed on the field. You can hear the pads pop when David Mayo goes to make contact. And guess what? First on the scene. He was the first on the scene. Every time he's out there, he's beating Cole Holcomb sometimes for the football. He knows where he's supposed to be. He understands the intricacies of this defense. And above the neck, like I mentioned, he is he is A-plus. He is an A-plus guy above the neck. I mean, he knows where to be when the football is snapped. Now, where Jamin Davis has really flashed, and Logan talked about this, and, and you saw it last year, uh, go back to the Raiders game late in the season where he was able to quickly diagnose that screen pass and use his athleticism to beat the blockers there. They couldn't even set up their blocks for it. You remember that fourth down play against Buffalo where, where he stops the running back short of the marker because he uses his speed and athleticism to diagnose and go read and react. When Jamin Davis has it going on above the neck, and he understands where he's supposed to be every play, then I think we'll see him take that st- that next step. He's already taking a step this offseason, I feel like, because there's a comfortability level that's there with him. And he talked about this. I was able to uh, interview him post-practice for a couple minutes the other day. You can go on my Instagram and find that, N-E-L-L underscore B-T-P. I asked him, Jamin, what's the biggest difference from you from year one to year two? And it, it kind of took me aback a little bit, but it made sense. He said, I'm more comfortable in my own skin. There is much more to the game of football than just actually playing football. For Jamin, he's a guy that comes from a military family, very family-oriented. He went to college in Kentucky. So he's coming six, seven hours away from home. I don't know if Kentucky is home for him. I'll have to uh, double-check on that. He went to high school in Georgia. So he went to high school in Georgia. So even further. He's a kid from the, that's from down south. Most of his family probably is from down south. Coming into the NFL, you're on your own, really, for the first time in a professional setting where you've now got millions of dollars at your disposal. Yes, it was different from him going from Georgia to Kentucky. Oh, wow. Did you know this? He's, this is the tall tale sign of being a military, Brad Denton. He was born in Honolulu, Hawaii. So that's 
it just shows you he's a guy, a kid that's had to travel a lot uh, in his life. But coming in now being and getting acclimated to a new group of teammates, to a new coaching staff, learning new culture, new traditions, new ways. And like I mentioned, just learning how to handle yourself as a 23-year-old with millions of dollars at your disposal now. And, and as, I, as I mentioned earlier, he, he was uh, on the scene of that horrific car crash that ended up taking the life of, of former commander safety DeShazer Everett, his girlfriend. The impact that that could have on a guy, you know, you can never put it into words. You can never measure the, the potential impact that that has on a kid. He was dealing with a lot of stuff off the field in combination with trying to be the best linebacker he could be for this football team. It's tough. It's tough. And, and for him to come out and say that's the biggest thing that is different from him from year one to year two it was amazing to me because I know just how important it is to be comfortable in your own skin. Imagine if, if I wasn't comfortable here at 106.7 The Fan, if I wasn't comfortable with the people around me in my environment, I wouldn't be able to come on here and be the best radio host I could be. So stuff like that is important, and you underestimate it. For Jamin, though, he has all the physical tools you could want in a linebacker. The kid can run. If you're looking at the video on my Instagram, he's built like a Mack truck. You think he was you know, made in a laboratory somewhere, chiseled off the rocks. I mean, the kid has it. Physically, he can handle everything that comes with being an NFL linebacker. It is the mental stuff for him. Understanding which gap I'm responsible for each, uh, you know, down in and down out. Understanding my responsibility in pass coverage. And that's the area that he's that he's thrived at. When in pass coverage, and he's a zone defender or he's matched up man-to-man on a tight end or a linebacker I mean, or a running back, he can run. He can run. So guarding those guys aren't, aren't difficult. When, when, when they do the one-on-one linebacker versus running back drills and pass coverage in practice, he's the one with sticky coverage on a guy like J.D. McKissick who's shaking everybody out of their new balances. I said new balances because we're in the DMV, y'all. You know, new balances. We love them. But, yeah, like Jamin, Jamin clearly has a knack for pass coverage, right? And – I think fans brace for this, and it might not be exactly what you want to hear, and Logan kind of touched on it. In this season upcoming, this fall, they are going to use that second linebacker next to Cole Holcomb as a situational player, meaning most likely on first and second down, it's going to be David Mayo. It's going to be David Mayo because you're anticipating the run, and they love how quickly he diagnosed the run, how, how, how physical he is, taking on blockers. They love that about David Mayo. That's not Jamin's game right now, which is why him playing at middle linebacker was always a pipe dream to me because he is your traditional off-ball linebacker in today's National Football League. He can run and cover. Hitting isn't isn't really his strong suit. He's a great damn open-field tackler. He's a great open-field tackler. Ron Rivera spoke to the media uh, yesterday, I believe, and he talked about the linebacker situation between Jamin Davis and David Mayo. And then that's just that's just kind of the way some of the defenses are set up. We have a couple of defenses where um, we have certain elements of it where it's it's what we consider our, our big big group. Uh, other elements we just have one linebacker on the on the on the on the on the start. So for the most part, you know, the, the first guy in is going to be Cole, and uh, so it's just really the group. That's head coach Ron Rivera talking to the contingent of media yesterday after practice in response to David Mayo getting a chunk of the first team reps uh, during the 11-on-11 period. How does that make you guys feel, though? Tap in with me. I want to hear from you. 
MGM National Harbor Listener Lines, 1-800-636-1067. You can get at me on Twitter and Instagram as well. N-E-L-L underscore BTP. Does it make you feel some type of way that Jamin Davis can't solidify the starting job at linebacker here in his second season in the NFL? Does it does it give you any concern? Let me know. I want to hear from you guys. But you heard Ron Rivera talk about it, and I, and I mentioned it just now. Jamin is going to play in a situational role. And we'll see how long that can last, right? Because it kind of is, the, the way they've described it, and Ron has described it to the media, he's kind of oversimplified it, right? You assume on first, on first down you're going to see a run, right? But then what if you don't? And now David Mayo's asked to guard a running back in the backfield. That's not what he does best. That's not what he does best. So ideally, in an ideal situation, they want someone who can play all three downs. And, and, and Ron just harped on it. Their base defense is their nickel defense, straight up. And, and that's been the case every practice for the first two weeks. Only two days have I come out and seen them in your traditional 4-3 look with three linebackers on the field. And that third linebacker has, hasn't even been David Mayo most of the time. It's been Khalid Hudson. So that's interesting. But this is why Ron Rivera and company were in no rush to bring in a linebacker. They wanted to see what they had in-house. And they're comfortable with what they have, obviously. We'll see once they start playing preseason football. But I want to hear from you guys. How do you feel that Jamin Davis isn't starting on this defense heading into his second year? Are you concerned? Are you worried that he's going to end up being a bust? Let me know. MGM National Harbor Listen Lines, 1-800-636-1067. Twitter and Instagram, N-E-L-L underscore BTP. We'll take your calls and more on the other side of this break. Don't go anywhere. This is the fan. You know who it is. Youngest in charge movement, Linnell Willingham, here with you on the fan for about another hour or so on this beautiful Saturday afternoon here in our nation's capital. Two weeks into training camp for the Washington Commanders. They'll have their final practice of the week tonight. From FedEx Field, open practice available to the public. Fans can come out and come watch the team. Gates open at 4.30, I believe. You can get there as early as 2. That's when the lot's open. They're encouraging people to get there early to tailgate and stuff like that. Unfortunately, our guy Tailgate Ted will not be out there in attendance. I said, damn, Ted, this is what we look to you for, for tailgating. You're not even going to be out there. He told me, though, the wife has let him go out, go out to practice every day this week. He said, Linnell, how would I look if I went Monday through Friday and then took Saturday or one day together? And I said, you know what, Tailgate? You got it. Tailgate Ted won't be out there in attendance, but I'm sure the rest of the commander's faithful will be out in full force. First time seeing this team practice in the stadium. I wonder if they'll crack out the uniforms today. Will they do? Will they go Buffalo Bills style? Because it looks like the Bills are wearing damn game uniforms at practice. Yeah, it looked like they were, and Josh Allen had that sleek red visor. Ooh. Carson Wentz, I mean, stepped your game up, King. Well, look, I will say this on the swag front from Carson Wentz. He switched it to the uh, all-white cleats this week. Woo! Boy, look good. Boy, looks good. We were take, talking about Jamin Davis before we took the last time out. Are you concerned that he isn't running with the first-team defense on a consistent basis? want to hear from you guys. MGM National Harbor Listen Lines, 1-800-636-1067. Twitter and Instagram are available as well. N-E-L-L underscore B-T-P. 
Let's go to Watts in Landover first to get things kicked off for us. What do you think about the Jamin Davis situation, Watts? Guys, please don't get me started. Uh oh. <laughs> let me tell you, let me tell you what the problem is. The problem is you have an average coach and the worst GM mm. in the National Football League, which we're not talking about. Mm. Okay? Let, let, let me go back. You, you were interested in fields from Ohio State. Instead of being aggressive in the draft, because you know you need a quarterback, and getting the guy, you sit on your hands and do nothing. Okay, that's number one. Mm-hmm. Then you panic. You go get Carson Wentz. You pay $28 million for a guy you could have got for a dime. And then you got the goal to get away draft picks as if you did something. And, now, and, and we know you failed in that because you, you failed to restructure a contract for consequence so you can have money to get players to free agency. Okay. Third thing, the GM in Ron, a failure. We all know that we need linebacker help. We know this. He had a chance to get the best linebacker in the draft at Parsons. What did he do? He sat on his hands. He let Parsons drop to the Dallas Cowboys. And, oh, by the way, the same team that's in our division, oh, by the way, that we play twice a year, oh, by the way, that killed us. And last but not least, oh, by the way, one rookie defensive player of the year. You go and draft, you sit back and you draft a number 19, Davis. All right? You know you need an inside linebacker. Why are you drafting an outside linebacker? Mm. And then today the question is, uh, are we, uh, is there a problem? Do we, see, we think it's going to be a problem? And this guy playing? Of course there's a problem. <laughs> because you have Ron Rivera, who should not be a GM, Never should be a GM. He is a failure as a GM, and that's why the Washington Commanders will never be nothing but average. If you don't believe me, he's been here three years, all right? If you ask your fans to call in to ask what they think the record is going to be, a large percentage is going to say 9 and 8, 8 and 9. He's been here three years, three years. Are we competitive with the Rams? No. Have you heard anybody say, wow, Washington's going to win the division? I don't care what Dallas does, Philly does, Washington is definitely going to win the division. Have you heard that conversation? Haven't. Have you heard that we got a chance to go to the NFC championship game because we have so much talent on the team? Have you heard that conversation? How about the Super Bowl? Have you heard that conversation? Haven't heard that one as well. I appreciate the call, Watts. Wow. Off the top rope. And lost in all of the the hubble-jubble that he said, he did give his answer on Jamin Davis. He feels as if Washington had multiple opportunities to address the linebacker spot. So why are we surprised after they passed on it that we're now having some uncertainty about who the starters are going to be? And it's a great point. It is definitely a a great point. And, oh, by the way, we got to take a quick timeout. On the other side of this break, We'll continue to spin around the National Football League. There's some QB competitions going on in the NFL. We'll take a deep dive into those and give our predictions. Don't go anywhere. This is the fan.